Today's episode of the VanCast is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmy.ca. Fancast for you, and a special one at that. He is certainly one of the most electrifying athletes to ever uh, set foot in the field of play in Vancouver, and of course, uh, Hockey Hall of Famer. His jersey retired to the rafters at Rogers Arena. This is a special occasion for us, Tom, uh, to get the chance to talk to Pavel Bure. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, the world is sort of on hold, uh, certainly for us here in North America, and no hockey right now. Uh, what's it like for you in Russia these days? Well, it's the same thing like everywhere else. It's uh, Obviously, it's kind of boring. You have to stay home, and uh, there's no sport at all. And obviously, we all miss the sport and the hockey particularly. You know that you have so many fans here in Vancouver still. Uh, there's so many things that we want to get to. Uh, before we talk about your time with the Canucks and the NHL and everything else, what role does hockey play in your life these days? Not these days, because there isn't any hockey going on, but when life gets back to normal, what role does hockey play in Pavel Bure's life? Well, I try to watch as many hockey games as I can, and uh, you know, usually about two, three times we will get together with the guys and play, I would say, like pick-up hockey. And Pavel, those pick-up hockey games you're playing... I mean, I think that fans in North America would be uh, pretty excited by the roster of guys in your pickup game. Uh, who are some of the Who are some of the best players that you're playing with on sort of a regular basis, just casually these days? Uh, at least before the shutdown. Uh, it would be Alex Magilny, Sergey Fedorov, uh, Alex Kasatonov, Slava Fetisov. So those kind of guys, it's uh, actually, it's our unit, you know, we play together. <laughs> so like a beer league Russian five, Pavel, uh, who's, who's, whose skills have held up the best? Like who's the best player when you guys all step on the ice together? Uh, you know, I, I forget uh, to mention another uh, guy. His name is Valery Kamensky. Mm. And probably Valery Kamensky and Sergei Fedorov. They probably still, you know, they still can play. You know? <laughs> what about, about McGillney? You- Where... Where are his skills these days? Well, obviously, you know, he has, he still has unbelievable hands, and, you know, and uh, he can see the ice well. But, uh, you know, uh, he he is a little bit slow, like everybody else. You know, it's normal. But uh, Fyodorov and uh, Kamensky, you know, they still can skate really well. We always hear this from guys whose careers have come to an end. You know, they, they miss that time around the rink with, their fellow players like so you talk about still getting together and playing is it more about getting on the ice or is it just getting a chance still to to spend time with guys that you grew up with you played with that you know you went through all the battles with that's probably both you know uh, because uh, we play hockey about like i don't know 45 50 minutes and but we can spend half a day there you know we're getting together we play cars we play, play big game and we we'll go to sauna we do workout together you know but it's basically we're getting together to spend time Pavel, when you consider the generation of Russian players that you still play with uh, pretty regularly and consider, 
you know, how all of your careers were starting at this moment when, you know, the Iron Curtain was falling and Russian players were, you know, coming in greater numbers to the NHL. What, what are some of the things that stick out to you, you know, from those sort of days as you transitioned from, you know, the Red Army team to the NHL and, and sort of what went into it? Well, it was really a big step, you know, to go to different country, to move to North America, everything new. But, you know, I was fortunate. I had uh, uh, lots of great guys in the team, uh, my teammates, my coaches, uh, who will, uh, who did help me to adjust to the North American lifestyle. And obviously fans, especially Vancouver, were unbelievable. You know, they were supporting me. So that uh, made me to adjust much easier. Pavel, is there a guy, I mean, I think everyone who plays regularly with the same group of guys, like inevitably develops a particular rivalry uh, with somebody in the group. Is there someone, one of those greats that you play with who, when you play even just casually, like it comes out that you just need to beat them on, on a daily basis? Nah, well, no, really, you know, because we played together as a union and uh, usually just to pick up uh, games and we play against amateurs, you know, there's lots of uh, politicians or businessmen, you know, who support hockey here in Russia. And uh, so we just try to uh, make a fun game for those guys. Pavel, without the NHL going on right now, you can imagine here in Vancouver, uh, you know, people are missing the sport of hockey. And so there's been a lot of attention given to that 2011 team that got to game seven of the Stanley Cup final against the Bruins and, you know, unfortunately wasn't able to, to win the Stanley Cup. All these years later, when you look back on that 1994 team and that run, do you look back at those as fond memories of big games and big moments, or do you still think about what happened in Game 7 and the fact that you guys couldn't get that one more win that you needed it? Mm, you know, for me, it's uh, I would say it's more fun, you know, obviously. Uh, everybody predicts we're supposed to lose to Calgary in the first uh in the first round, and uh, we were down 3-1, and uh, we won three other times straight. It was unbe- unbelievable, you know, <laughs> and after we, mo- we we did move on from there. So for me, it just was a privilege to play every game, you know, and uh, we went through uh, that far, you know, and especially we played against Rangers, where it was a team of superstars, and uh, we played seven games, so it was pretty amazing. Do you still think about that series much, or have you kind of just left that in the in the memory bank? Well, I kind of remember that, you know, all, all around in 94 was unbelievable. And uh, I remember when we came back after game, I think, number five in New York, and there was so many fans on the street, you know, and when we won number six, it was unbelievable in Vancouver. Like, whole city was supporting us. Pavel, when you think back to that 94 team, is there a team, is there a player that you look back on as maybe not having got enough credit for the run that that club went on? Well, that's the whole thing. You know, I think uh, in 94, we had a team uh, uh, which, you know, every single guy, he was playing above his level. That's why we probably went uh, that far. So everybody was unbelievable, you know, (laughs) everyone. And there's not like one guy you'd spotlight, whether it's, you know, the impact Jeff Brown had moving the puck or you know, maybe a bottom six forward, like someone that you'd look to and say, you know, that guy, man, he really stepped up even even above uh, sort of the level that uh, everyone else had done, had taken to sort of raise their game. 
well, as I said, it's a, you know, it's a, all, all the guys, you know, because somebody play power plays, uh, somebody play penalty kill, mm -hmm. somebody was in the net and uh, somebody was hitting, fighting, whatever, like everyone just stepped in and uh, especially after uh, we beat the Calgary, you know, in the three overtimes and uh, it was an unbelievable feeling in the dressing room, like uh, we didn't have to push anybody, everybody was playing above their level. What do you remember about that Game 7 goal against Calgary, the, the double overtime, and we're talking about Jeff Brown there. They they played that game on TV here recently. You know, there are a lot of young fans that weren't around that got a chance to see that for the first time. But, you know, what do you recall about that moment of just taking that pass and getting in behind the defense and ultimately winning that series? Uh, yeah, it was great feelings, but I think I remember more another story because we were down, uh, I remember... Just one goal uh, behind Calgary, and uh, I looked at the clock. It was like five or six minutes to go. I'm just like, well, you know, we got uh, five minutes of the season left. <laughs> Let's go out there and do best what we can, and we'll see what's going to happen. And I think uh, Greg Adams uh, tied up to uh, he scored tied up the goal, and uh, we went to another overtime. We're all watching Alex Ovechkin try to reel in Wayne Gretzky for you know the all-time goal scoring record and I think we all marvel at Ovechkin and you know how durable he is and how consistent he is and the fact that he's still scoring at such a high level at you know at this stage of his career and all these years later you still see how much he enjoys scoring goals and you had that same joy right like I mean that was your job and it didn't seem to matter whether it was the first goal in the NHL or the last one you scored you looked like you enjoyed them equally uh, is that a fair description that, you know, for you, it really it was all about, you know, scoring goals and you did it better than, than just about anybody else during your time in the NHL? Well, it's, yeah, it was fun, you know, I, uh, I love to score goals and uh, I think most important defense, uh, they wanted to see goals, you know, because I remember those days when the hockey was, wasn't really interesting, you know, we played 0-0, 1-0, not too many goals. And NHL, I think, did a great job to uh, change the rules, and now people score again. Because I think fans, like I'm a fan right now, if I watch the hockey game, I want to see goals. You know, I'm getting excited when uh, somebody even scores. <laughs> it's interesting, you know, and, and we're playing for the fans, you know. Pavel, I think that part of your sort of makeup that, you know, in addition to viewing yourself as an athlete, you also really did feel an obligation to the paying customers to, to put on the show, to entertain, to do something special um, is something that, you know, I got a sense of when we chatted back in November, but that I perhaps didn't quite understand about you. What, what do you think it is about your, whether it's your makeup, your upbringing, just your enjoyment of the game that made that such a priority for you as a player? Well, obviously, you know, your, your first uh, your first goal is to go out there and do the best what you can. But uh, obviously, for me, it was always nice to do something, uh, new things. You know, I was always was uh, trying to think of different moves, practice them during the practice and uh, uh, to trying to do something so the fans, even if they come first time, they would... Uh, uh, we love that game, you know, we would uh, bring the kids and to show them some interesting moves, you know, and I think it's uh, really good for the hockey in general. And Pavel, when you think back to your Canucks tenure, I mean, a lot of everyone remembers the Brown to Bure goal in this market, but, you know, and, and I know that the alley-oop <laughs> attempt that you had at Maple Leaf Gardens stands out to you, but is there a goal that you scored that's maybe not among your more famous ones that you sort of look back on as a Canucks goal that you're particularly proud of? 
you know, every goal is different, you know, and it's really hard to choose only one, you know, so some goals you scoring, maybe they're not really beautiful goals, but they're important for the for the team. Sometimes you're scoring an unbelievable goal, but it's maybe not that important, you know, so I, I, I can't really tell you one or even ten goals, you know. All of them hard to score in the NHL, by the way, you know, because it's the best league in the world and you play against the best guys in the world, so it's it's hard to score there. Hey, this is a Vancouver podcast, but I want to ask you about a season that you had. I, I think one of your most incredible seasons, and it was in Florida when you scored 59 of your goals. You had 59 goals and 92 points. Victor Kozlov was second on that team with 14 goals. So you led with 59. He was second with 14. Like, Do you remember whether you liked being the go-to guy that much and you just didn't have a whole lot of support or... Like, how do you look back on a season where the point totals, the disparity is just so great? I mean, you had 92 points. He finished with 37. Mm. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess he was passing for the pass to me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, like every shot goes in, you know, and probably that season, you know, no matter what I do, the puck went in. Sometimes happens as well. But obviously, I had a big support from Victor. He was on, on my line, and he was doing a great job for me. Of course, you ended up in Florida because uh, you got traded from Vancouver. Uh, you know, there's so much talk still all these years later about the way it ended uh, with the Canucks. Do you, I mean, you've been asked before, I know, but we've got you here. Like, Are there any regrets about the way things ended for you with Vancouver Canucks and, and the city of Vancouver? No, really, you know, I always uh, had a great relationship with the fans, and then I still do. And uh, I was uh, most of my teammates as well. But, uh, you know, I had a difference with the management, but it's in the past, whatever. But uh, that's what I can say, you know, like I never had a problems with the fans, and I, I never did, and I, I don't think I ever will, because uh, uh, my understanding, we respect each other a lot, you know, I always respect my fans, and I think... Uh, they knew I was doing everything what I could for them as well. Pavel, they, obviously the Canucks celebrated the 50th anniversary season. Um, you know, fans, of course, because of that respect that you're talking about, um, always love to see you in Vancouver. You weren't able to be there. Um, just to go over that and make sure we address it, do you want to speak to sort of any regrets you feel for not being able to come and maybe some of the reasoning behind it? Yeah, obviously I feel regret I couldn't make it, but it's not up to me. I have a, uh, had a family problems, which uh, I couldn't travel abroad. And Pavel, for the fans, uh, just a message in terms of, um, you know, they would love to have seen you, but, you know, I'm sure you're disappointed you couldn't make it. Do you have any message for them, uh, for any fans who were disappointed you weren't there uh, during the 50th anniversary celebrations? message would be you know it's the same what i said you know i always uh, felt support and have a huge respect for the fans and uh, i really appreciate it to the fans what they've done to, uh, for me and uh, every time what they're doing to me uh, when i come to vancouver and uh, obviously i will try to come back to vancouver one day but uh, there's lots of things not up to me right now but hopefully uh, <laughs> Uh, problems will be resolved, and uh, I will come to Vancouver for sure. Well, there's certainly some excitement around the Vancouver Canucks again that hasn't been there for a little while, led by Elias Pettersson and, and Quinn Hughes. And a big part of the future, the Canucks are hoping, is a player they drafted here in Vancouver last year, 10th overall, Vasily Podkolzin. 
Uh, how familiar are you with him? Do you know anything about his game? Have you seen him play uh, in the KHL? Uh, I've seen a few games, and obviously I know what kind of player he is, and I think uh, uh, if he'll come in a couple years uh, to Vancouver, I think he'll be in the like in a top two line for sure, or maybe in the first line. He's in a couple of years for sure. He's going to be a really strong player because right now he plays for the uh, SKA. It's in Saint Petersburg team, and I know they really got uh, really good management there, and they will develop a really good player for NHL. Maybe that's what the Canucks have been missing here for the last few years: is, is a Russian player. Well, it's, it doesn't matter as long as it's Russian, Swedish, or Canadian, American, as long as he performs well, that's what we need. <laughs> Pavel, there's another Canucks winger who just signed um, with uh, CSKA in Moscow, obviously a team close to your heart, Nikolai Goldobin. Uh, what sort of expectations is he going to arrive um, with a pretty good Moscow team? Um, sort of, What expectations is the sort of Moscow fans going to have for him next season? Well, as you know, right now it's like I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when they're going to start to play and uh, because are they going to finish the season or not? So, like nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, we just have to go through this pandemia right now and we'll see. And Pavel, in terms of you know, just looking back at your career as a whole and and you know what you accomplished during a Hall of Fame tenure in the NHL, looking back on it, you know. What stands out to you as what you're proudest of achieving during your playing career? No, it's it's really hard to say one thing. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's so many good things happens. You know, it, uh, I had a chance to play in the NHL for many years and uh, uh, meet different people. You know, and uh, in Vancouver we had like every game, like whole city were supporting us. It's obviously, that uh, have a big memory for me. I met lots of good hockey players, lots of good guys, and lots of people around the hockey. It would be coaching, uh, coaching staff, management, media guys, and we still stay in touch, you know, with uh, lots of people. Obviously, uh, I was fortunate to go through that. Well, your number hangs in the rafters at Rogers Arena. Certainly, uh, it was a big deal this year when Daniel and Henrik were added to that uh, very select group. So uh, you are remembered fondly in the city of Vancouver. I, I'm sure you know that. Uh, it must make you feel good, just as we wrap things up here, Pavel, to know that, you know, you left your mark here. I mean, all these years later, uh, we still want to talk to you. People want to hear from you. So we really appreciate you taking a little bit of time to join us here on the VanCast today. Sure, the feeling is mutual. So anytime, you know, I was too happy to hear you guys or to talk uh, to my fans through you guys. Well, thanks so much for doing this. And hopefully the next time we do it, it's in person. We, we see you here in Vancouver. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Always great to hear from Pavel Bure, and uh, you know, sometimes you're never sure what you're quite going to get out of him, but uh, I think we got him in a pretty talkative mood yeah, today. Yeah, he, he was willing to play ball, and uh, and look, he's, I mean, the perspective that he has just being, you know, a guy who looks back on his hockey career, not with sort of any sense of negativity or self-loathing, but just having enjoyed the experience, uh, the friends that he made, the fans that he entertained, um, you know, I, I actually find it kind of refreshing. There's a lot of players, uh, a lot of people around the game who, 
you know, struggle to get over Game 7 losses or struggle to get over, you know, areas in which their careers fell short and are consumed by that disappointment. And I think it's pretty healthy that, that Pavel has sort of a, a more holistic view or, or a different kind of view of, of his career and his life. Um, I, I always find that fascinating personally. I love the fact that no matter how many interviews he does, no matter how hard the questioners try, like there's always going to be that mystique around him, right? Like he's going to take that to his grave. He just, he will. Like that's a part of, of Pavel Bure. Yeah. And, and that's part of what makes him so fascinating. Like there are so many questions that we will never have the actual answer to. And, and, you know, it goes back to how the Canucks knew and proved that he was draft eligible. Like there are five competing narratives. Um, none of them have ever really been verified. Like we, we don't know, um, you know, the, the reason that he held out prior to the trade, you know, we'll, we'll never know. Like we'll, we'll just never actually know kind of how it all went down. And, you know, I think that sort of fuels a, a level of mystery and, and a level of legend that, you know, continues to be fascinating, especially to anyone who's spent some time sort of studying it or, or in my case came up, you know, I was seven years old during the 94 run. Like you can imagine watching Pavel do stuff when you're a seven-year-old kid just getting introduced to the sport and, and sort of playing it yourself. Like it's, you know, I, I mean, I was wide-eyed at the time. And so to, to as I've grown up and, and sort of taken this on, become a professional hockey writer, someone who's written extensively about Canucks history, like the fact that, you know, that mystery sort of is added on top of, you know, what was this effervescent level of performance consistently, unique, uh, wildly entertaining. I mean, it, it really does just add up to, you know, a character who in the annals of not just Canucks history, but NHL history, Vancouver sports history, uh, looms larger than life to this day. Well, I've told the story before, but I... I... You know, there's a billion people that claim to have been there at the Pacific Coliseum uh, for his debut against the Winnipeg Jets. I honestly was. Uh, this was pre-media days for me. And my girlfriend at the time, I have a late October birthday, and she bought me tickets to a Canucks-Winnipeg Jets game in early November. And if you remember at that time, neither the Canucks <laughs> nor the Jets were exactly a draw. And she didn't know a whole lot about, uh, you know, buying tickets for a hockey game. So... She got tickets in row one and thought, well, row one, like that's where you want to be, right? Right. And <laughs> they just happened to be uh, at the blue line by the bench the Jets defended. So essentially the launch pad mm-hmm. um, for Pavel. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, trying to be nice when I got these tickets. And at this point, like nobody knew that Pavel was going to play. Uh, he hadn't even landed in Vancouver yet. And I go, oh, great. You know, <laughs> like, it was a Canucks game, so great. But the Canucks and Jets, and I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, as it turned out, it was Pavel's debut, and we had ice-level seats, uh, which was just absolutely mind-blowing to to see this guy, unlike anything that anybody in Vancouver, and really you know, not many in the NHL, had ever seen uh, do the things that he did. So uh, all these years later, uh, still sticks out for me as one of my great you know, Vancouver Canuck memories. And of course, he didn't score in that debut. His first of so many NHL goals, I had to wait a little bit. But uh, I can actually say that, yes, there I was, not just in the building, but at ice level to see Pavel uh, sort of wind things up uh, the way that he did when he got going. There was uh, nothing else like him. Yeah. And, you know, I think, first of all, I think I've written about this, but I, I will have to fact check it. As I recall, that game was not sold out, nor was it broadcast locally. 
right? So there's so many, you know, the fact that that game is taken on, that Jets game's taken on this sort of life of its own in terms of how it's remembered by Canucks fans. And, and really, the access to watch it was extraordinarily limited. And yet, you know, the Russian Rocket nickname comes from it. The uh, way that it's remembered and talked about in Canucks lore, it's like you'd think you know, all 1.8 million residents of the city at that time, you know, were glued to their televisions, uh, kind of like a 2010 Olympics kind of situation. But that really wasn't the case. Like, he was just so impressive, just so unique, so dominant, that by word of mouth, that game took on, you know, this level of meaning and lore uh, that's almost unrivaled. I mean, the only rival probably is Elias Pettersson's first shift against Calgary, uh, which ends with that, you know, bar down wrist shot from the side of the net. It's funny. I've always, I thought maybe there'd be more of a story to that season that I referenced in Florida. That is one of my favorite NHL seasons, though, where a guy can score 59 goals and the next highest scorer on the team has 14. Well, and also 93 points or 92 points that season and the Panthers as a team scored 200. Right? Like he was in on, <laughs> he was in on almost every goal they scored that season. It's wild. <laughs> that is so good. And what about the pickup game? Like, I feel like we, we got to make a road trip to watch one of these pickup games that he's playing <laughs> in still. Yeah, playing playing with this ridiculous group. I also love the idea that Sergei Fedorov still got wheels, right? Like, of course he does. Of course he does. Fedorov still has wheels. Like, that makes so much sense to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, the idea, too, of them playing as a five-man unit and taking on amateurs, it's like, man, those poor, poor amateurs, they must get completely schooled. Uh, we're going to finish up with Name That Canuck as we do. Uh, you had a good one the other day with Ron Settlebauer. I saw some people are playing along at home. That was uh, part of the idea of this when we started it as well, you and I going back and forth. But, you know, hey, listeners are uh, free to uh, weigh in as well, try to figure out where we're going. So uh, we'll continue to do this as long as uh, there's some interest in it. Uh, I think I've got a pretty good one for you today. All right. Uh, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. I'm not sure that there's a perfect segue from having Pavel Bure on our podcast to name that Canuck. I can tell you that it's not Pavel. Uh, that, that's, that's not one of your clues, but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that much. A freebie. All right. Born 22 years apart, he was the second guy with his last name to play for the Canucks, but he wasn't related to the first. Oh, man. Oh, man. 22-year um, age gap, so a generation. Yeah. So it's not Capuano, it's not Sedin, and it's not Cortinal. Those all go out of the window. Right. Um, yeah. Same name. And it's the second one I'm looking for. Um, it is the second one, yes. Okay. Um, no, I'm not getting the three-pointer today. Uh, I will guess... Two years apart. Oh man, this is gonna kill me. Um, I'm, I'm like even trying to think of a good guess. You know, it's tough because it's like I don't want to guess like Jovanovsky, and it's like no, no right. one else is named Jovanovsky. You no. idiot. Um, I will guess Gary Smith, Nathan Smith. Oh, okay. No, I, was, I, I had this feeling that you were gonna pull this one out of like thin air or yeah, other no. places. No, um, I did not. No, there were a number of candidates. other places. Like, um. Well, I can't give. I was going to say, like, I've got a list of 
name combos, but if yeah. I give them away, then it perhaps totally. takes away from Tips me the off. answer here. All right, so number two. And this kind of puts it in a time frame for you. He finished his career with one season in Vancouver. And when he was done, Kevin Bieksa became the next player to wear his number. Ooh. Um, hmm. That's a nuanced clue. Yeah. There's a couple layers to it. Okay. Number three. So one season in Vancouver. Oh, wait, no, he didn't... Bieksa, did Bieksa always wear number three? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I've got to... I've got to take a sec. I, I, like, I don't know why. I have the weirdest name on the top of my head, but I'm sure I'm wrong. Um... Oh, God. Jeff, That's I needed right. this one. I wasted um, a guess the other... I'm still mad at wasting a guess on Rick Blight the other day. Uh, he never got 30 <laughs> goals, let alone 40. I completely whiffed on that one. Yeah, yeah but I needed to take advantage of the Ron Settlebauer. Um, that was boy. good. When we were finished, I went right to HockeyDB, and I was like, Rick Blight. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, the guy only had 28 one year. Um, Aaron Miller. No. Ah, no. Okay. All right. This is the giveaway. Here we go. The charity clue. The Canucks rolled out the welcome mats for this oh. guy a handful of seasons before they did the uh, same for Sundin. Uh, Lindgren. Yes. Uh, Matt's Lindgren. Matt's Lindgren. And of course, oh, Lars Lindgren. Lars Lindgren, 22 years uh, apart. And, and then, and but he could have been. Number, like, the number you, was 25, right? It was, yes. Okay. I, I even had 20. that, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I don't even know if Aaron Miller wore the number 25. But <laughs> I think he wore four. But, <laughs> Damn. But these were possible candidates for that first clue. You had like Kevin okay. McCarthy and Steve McCarthy. Right. You had Pat Quinn and Dan Quinn. Ah. Barry Peterson and Dennis Peterson. Right. Aaron Miller is on the list, but I said he was the, the second guy with his last name to play yeah. for the Canucks. So Aaron Miller and JT Miller. And Ryan Miller in the middle. Ah, right. Dan Hodgson and Cody Hodgson, Jim Dowd oh, wow. and Nick Dowd, Derek Sanderson, Jeff Sanderson, Matthew Schneider, Corey Schneider. So uh, uh, there may have been others, but there were enough in that group there. Um, but yes, Kevin Bieksa broke into the league wearing 25, like Ryan Kester broke in wearing number 20, and then mm -hmm. they changed their numbers. And uh, yes, you got it on Matt Lindgren. So congratulations, you get a single point. Ah, yeah. damn it. I, I needed more than that. <laughs> I really needed more than that, but so it goes. Yes. Oh, well. All right. I think that uh, that wraps up this VanCast, uh, a special one. I uh, hope people enjoyed our visit with Pavel. It's always fun to hear from him. and uh, He's going to be 50 next year. Crazy. Like the Russian eh? Rocket is going to turn 50 wow. in 2021. That's yeah. mind-blowing. Um, but no, look, thanks to Pavel for joining us. I hope everyone enjoyed that trip down memory lane and... Uh, a, a glimpse at, you know, the day-to-day -day life of, you know, one of the most iconic athletes in Vancouver sports uh, history. And, and Jeff, I'm, I'm going to have to bring the heat again for Name That Connect next week, unfortunately. I, I was hoping to ease up on you, but, but no way, because I think, I think the score is 5.5 to 3 for you. So uh, we'll, we'll probably, right. probably yeah. have to fact check that, but I believe that's where we're at on the scoreboard. Uh, I've got some catching up to do. I'm on notice. All right. Uh, Tyler Sagan is Craig Kestens' guest on the Full 60 this week at The Athletic. And 
We should tell you as well, we've introduced a comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic or on The Athletic app. So make sure you say hello. Let us know how we're doing. We'd love to hear from you. We like our feedback. If there are suggestions, things you'd like us to do here on The VanCast, by all means, let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe The VanCast on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash thevancast, you'll get 40% off your subscription. For Grantzer and for Pavel, it's j as always. Thanks so much for listening to The Vancast here at The Athletic and TheAthletic.com.